Welcome to Dietitians Uncorked, a podcast hosted by Kat and Kelly, two registered dietitians who co-founded Nutriving, a virtual nutrition practice. We talk all things food, nutrition, life, and of course, wine. This is a judgment-free zone where all foods fit and all bodies are welcome. Thanks for listening. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for coming back to Dietitians Uncorked. I am Kat. And this is Kelly. We are so happy you are back with us. Today we have a cool episode about barriers that some of our clients might have to healthy eating or more balanced eating, and we kind of just want to outline our top six barriers that we have identified So, as tradition, what are you drinking in the world of wine over there, Kelly? It is a little bit warmer over here. It's fall, but we have a warm day today. So, I'm back on the rosé train. I just have... Have have you ever had Josh wines? Like a pretty common brand over here. I'm not really sure I've had them. I, I think I can... I would recognize the label. Yeah. It's it's a good staple. It's pretty readily available, so I go to it a lot. They're always between, you know, 10 and 15 dollars a bottle, which is our sweet spot as we've talked about. So, just a nice like cool, crisp, um, dry rosé. So, very happy with my choice. What do you have today? I am drinking a merlot. So, keeping with uh tradition of reds. At uh, this Bottle of wine is like $9. It's, it's pretty good. It's called Murande. It's a state reserve. It's a Chilean wine from Valle del Maipo. It's it's okay. Like, I like it. Um, it's I feel like it's a little harsh. Almost like it hits you real strong. Like, when in the first sip, you can really taste the alcohol. And so I, I feel like maybe it's been like exposed to too much warmth or something. So I need to let it breathe for a minute, but it, it's okay. I'm, I'm going to give it a, a minute to breathe. Twirl. Pretend yeah. like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the, the, the six common barriers, I think we identified six are not really in a particular order from like the most prominent to the least or important to the least it's just, we just have a list. And the first one really comes down to the cost of healthy food. And there is a perception that the healthier the food is, the more expensive it is. And therefore, if you want to eat healthy foods or more nutrient-dense foods, you will have to pay a very high price for it. I want to challenge that a little bit because... I don't think that is always accurate. There are too many factors here at play and we have to take into account, you know, what season you're buying, whatever food is, where you're buying it from, the marketing involved in it. Is it sponsored by something big and so it's like trendy and that's why it's more expensive? Or is there there an actual reason for why it might be 
is it rare? You know, like there are just too many factors here. And we could talk about the different options available at the grocery store from fruits and vegetables to flour and sugar. And you will always find a more expensive one that might tell you this is a lot more, you know, nutrient dense or healthy for you. And, And it's not always the case. Sometimes it's worth to spend a little bit more money on something just because it's formulated better. Maybe you like the ingredients better. Maybe it tastes better and you can tell when you're cooking and that's valid. But I just want to challenge this because I don't want anyone not to be able to eat well because they think that they have to spend an amount of money that they do not have in order to achieve a balanced, healthy diet because that's not true. And there are options, right? Just because a news story said that this is the healthiest, putting that in quotations, vegetable or healthiest fruit, that does not mean that there are not plenty of other nutrient-dense options. For sure. For sure. I think, too, like, I, I lived through a period of my life where I was going, I was paying my way through college, I was living alone in the States. My family was in Chile. It was a very scary time for me. It felt like financially, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to pay everything I had to pay for, you know, classes and books. And um, there, there are things that could happen. And, and, and I, I was worried about not having enough cushion, uh, financially speaking. And one of the things that I was ironically studying nutrition and I was so poor that I was eating granola bars and coffee and ramen noodles. That was my diet for a long time. And even in that moment of having a very tight budget and really not eating well, um, I was concerned about what I was hearing in the media of what something was healthy or not healthy. And even in that time, if you gave me the opportunity to buy chicken, I still wanted to buy organic chicken because I wasn't fully convinced that chicken that wasn't organic was actually healthy for me. And as you can tell from the things I just mentioned, none of them had protein. And I actually had a nutrient deficiency after a while because of eating so poorly. And so I just, you know, the the repercussions of sort of demonizing foods that might actually have some nutritional value to them just because they're not trendy or organic or the most pretty to look at, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad for you. And having that mentality can be actually really harmful for somebody who's seeking a good relationship with food and somebody who's seeking to make their meals a little bit more nutrient dense. Sure. And that messaging in the media for that exact reason can be so dangerous for so many people because they feel like if they can't make that quote unquote perfect option, well, then fuck it, right? <laughs> there's there's nothing else for me, but you know, we're, we're trying to spread the opposite message. Like there are there are options and there are there are lots of good options and for different people at different times in their life that could look different and that's okay. Okay, let's go to number 2. 
So another thing we hear very commonly from clients is that one barrier to healthy eating or to any kind of health routines that they're working on is lack of time. I don't have time to work out. I don't have time to go grocery shopping. I don't have time to cook. I don't have time to cook a healthy meal, right? I think most humans can relate at least at some point in their life feeling like they just don't have enough hours in the day based on what what obligations, what priorities they have in their life at that time. So whether that's taking care of kids, um, maybe you're a caretaker for a parent, maybe you're working two or three jobs, maybe you're starting to try a business, whatever it is that can feel like you just have too many things on your plate and not all of them can fit. So sometimes, you know, things fall off. And I think one thing that I hear clients talk about is, is like, well, I want to do this, right? You have, you have an expectation in your mind about what you want it to look like. And so examining that expectation and seeing, okay, with what's on my plate right now, is this realistic to expect of myself or not? So if you're working three jobs and you're expecting yourself to wake up at five in the morning to do an hour long workout, that just might be a stretch for you, like in this moment of life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, think I don't have children. Same. Kelly, <laughs> do you mind if I disclose that you also know <laughs> just a puppy? <laughs> I can't imagine. I mean, I just can I just cannot imagine having little ones that just from the second you wake up to the second you fall asleep need your attention and assistance. And um, yeah, I can't, I just cannot imagine. And I think those same people who are super busy, who really have a lot of high demands in their life, it's just, it's just not realistic to think that you have, you can do all things to that right. degree. And if you're putting that pressure on yourself to to achieve those expectations that maybe you have but fit in an earlier chapter of your life, but you know, now with what you have on your plate, it doesn't really make sense anymore. If you constantly have that that pressure on yourself, then I mean, it's just not going to work. So if you're feeling that way, sometimes it can help to examine your expectations and what what you hope to do and look at, okay, is there a way I can maybe have a little bit more grace with myself, be a little bit more flexible. I don't have time to do an hour long, intense, super sweaty workout, but maybe I have time to do a 10 minute, 15 minute walk or a YouTube video. So that can be hard to let go for some people, especially if they have those really high expectations or they're holding on to a routine that they used to have. But at the end of the day, something is better than nothing, right? A 10-minute workout can give you not only physical benefits, but maybe you just need that release, right? That stress release, maybe just some time to focus on only one thing for yourself. Maybe that's what that gives you, and that's that's better than nothing, even if it's not the hour-long workout or the most perfect six course meal that you expected. Yeah. And that actually connects really well with our third point here, 
which is something that we engage a lot just in general in life. But when it comes to nutrition, I feel like I see it a lot more clearly. And it's this mentality of all or nothing or this black and white mentality. It's like I have to have this perfect, my perception of what perfect means, I have to have that perfect diet and have to do it consistently for every day for the rest of my life for it to work. And if I have one little snag or something that doesn't really fit that definition of what perfect means, then it's all ruined. So I either have to get it all lined up and be ready to do it perfectly or not do anything. And as Kelly said, I mean, I just want to remind you that Eating one vegetable in one day is better than not eating any vegetables that day. And so it's okay to acknowledge that maybe right now is a crazy time in your life. And that is the goal. And I know some people are like, oh, come on, like I can do better than that. It's like, listen, this isn't about better. This is about what is happening in your life right now. It doesn't make you a better or worse human. You're not being lazy, you're not being irresponsible, you are taking the the steps that you can take right now to make your diet a little bit more nutrient dense. And we want to celebrate that. So if that means eating one apple in the morning and that's like your challenge for the next two weeks, man, I am going to celebrate the hell out of that apple that you're doing because you started at a point where you feel like you can't actually achieve and that's okay. It is a mistake to think that your definition of perfection is the only way you achieve sustainable and meaningful change in your diet where you're going to feel fantastic. The, the key to having a better relationship with food is when you can practice that flexibility and you don't engage in this black and white thinking because it gives you so much more freedom to make different choices considering where you're at in life, which gosh, life can just be a bit hard sometimes. So we got to acknowledge that. Sometimes it's a shit show and you gotta adapt. <laughs> you gotta roll with it. <laughs> I mean, I've never experienced Absolutely. that. Absolutely. <laughs> of course, me neither. Me neither. My life has never been a shit show. Sarcasm. Really heavy sarcasm in case you didn't get that. <laughs> Uh, this morning wasn't a shit show for me. I mean, you know, everything under control over here. (laughs) Okay, so let's move on to common barrier number four. This is when we see clients, maybe they have a lot of great ideas, right? They have a lot of ambitions. And sometimes if we pick too many goals at once, if we make too many changes at once, even if those things are small, relatively speaking, if we're doing them all at once, sometimes that sets us up for, you might say, disaster, <laughs> failure, frustration, right? Things are might not go well because every change that you're working on is going to take some effort. If you put multiple changes in your routine at once, even if you feel like those changes are relatively, you know, quote unquote, smaller, should be feasible for you to do when we're doing them all at once, each one of those has an effort level. So if it's not something you're already doing, it will take effort to start to incorporate, you know, consistently in your life. 
So even if the effort load is small for each of those changes, if you're choosing, you know, four, five, six plus, or whatever the number is, things at one time, then suddenly our small effort load is being multiplied. And so over time, that, that can kind of lead to burnout, right? You're, you're trying, you're trying, you're trying, you're going, you're doing great, and then you're not, right? Because it, it does take a lot in the beginning. So sometimes, even though you have a lot of great ambitions and you have a lot of goals, it can be helpful to focus on one or two, a few things, not a big number at one time, so that you can manage that effort load and kind of avoid that cycle of starting, having momentum, losing it because you're just juggling too many things. And so if you could focus on one or two small changes and kind of really establish those as your habits, then they become more, almost like more automatic, just part of your routine. And it doesn't take that same effort load. And then once you get to that point, that's when we can kind of work in more of the other goals. Oh, that was so good. I tried. I feel like you were speaking directly <laughs> to me in um, the area of work. <laughs> like, we have a new business and we're just like doing it all. And it's oh my just God. like, we, ah! we should really take our own advice. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I really felt it. I felt what you were saying. So, the fifth one, are we in five? Yeah, five. Mm-hmm. This one happens a lot when people seek nutrition help and sometimes that leads them to find us afterwards but following a very strict diet that leads people to feel deprived afterwards there is a really shitty trend right now where some nutrition professionals are recommending people to follow a diet that has a thousand two hundred calories per day have you heard of this kelly Yes, I wish you, by you I mean audience, could see my eye roll right now. It's it is massive. just insane. Yeah, yeah, no. It's, uh, God, I'm so angry about that. <laughs> These people are telling other people to follow a caloric range that matches the one of a child. Yeah, like a toddler. And they're like, yeah, yeah. A toddler. Just um, be satisfied and happy. You can do it. And <laughs> feel famished and awful all day, but you can do it. It's like the most toxic messaging ever. It's stupid. But following that kind of strict diet where you're measuring things obsessively and you're leaving a meal feeling hungry, not feeling satisfied, going to bed starving... You have no idea how many clients tell me that they go to bed with their stomachs rumbling. Like, and they go to sleep in a way to cope with the hunger pains. Oh, I just, God. It's not right. I, yeah. How can you fall asleep when your stomach is rumbling? Like, those are diametrically opposite. And people do it because they think they're being healthy. They think that they're following this diet because it's the healthy approach to reach their goals. They think that they are being healthier by suppressing their hunger and going to bed hungry, and it's just awful. But following a a diet like that, a very strict diet, will lead you feeling deprived not just of 
of not being able to meet your your hunger, your level of hunger and satisfy that. But also energy wise, you are always running on a empty fuel tank. And that is awful. It's, it's the perfect setup for what? What comes after you've been hungry for days or weeks or months? You are going to try to satisfy for once in your and for all your freaking hunger and anxiety and all the loaded emotions that have been bubbling underneath are going to surface. I mean, this isn't something like, oh, like you were flawed and this is why this happened. This is the natural progression of this kind of pattern of behavior. So you tell yourself because somebody else told you, it's not your fault. Somebody else told you, you need to follow this very strict diet. You are hungry for days, weeks, months. You are frustrated. You're feeling shame about all of these emotions and wanting to eat more. And at one point your body just cannot do this anymore. You cannot fight it anymore. And you give in. And when you give in, it's not in a way that we can consider. It's like slowly, you're just going to eat a little bit more. No, you're like going to tackle your pantry. Ravenous. Just imagine you flying directly into a giant (laughs) potato chip bag and just like attacking it ferociously. That is what happens when you follow a restrictive diet like that. And for our clients who come in and say, oh man, I failed at this diet. I couldn't control. I wasn't disciplined enough. I just... If, if you if you feel like that was that's been you or that was you at some point, I just want to tell you that's not your fault. You didn't fail at anything. This system does not work and it's a terrible barrier for you to finally find a healthy relationship with food. So following a strict diet that leads you feeling deprived like that, it's just a setup for a horrible pattern of behavior that it's going to make you feel worse at the end of the day. So can we, can, can dietitians, nutritionists stop telling people to eat what a toddler eats? Can we please do that for humanity's sake? No, it's not you. It's them. Yeah. Christ. It's messed up. So messed up. Oh, I could just punch him in the throat. <laughs> okay, let's, uh, let's move to number six. Our final common barrier we wanted to go through today is when you might feel like you do not have support, whether that's from your family or friends, you just feel like you don't, you don't have anyone who maybe supports your goals, maybe just anyone who also values health or is working on health-related changes. If you're feeling isolated, that can be hard to, you know, keep the momentum, especially on days, you know, we don't all have great days, right, back-to-back. Like, there are going to be some days that you might feel a little bit lower for whatever reason. And on those days, especially if you're feeling isolated and there's no one to kind of, like, pep you up a little bit, that can be a really big barrier that that can throw you off. And then when you do get thrown off, a lot of times we've alluded to shame with a few of these other ones, but if you're you're constantly feeling shame, right? Like it's your fault for falling off the wagon, quote unquote, then that's something to evaluate. Like what can you seek out 
to help you feel more supported, whether that's working with a dietitian, maybe it's just finding a common, like a group, a community group of some sort that maybe has some people with, with common goals. That can be a really protective factor to have. Yeah. I can think of many conversations with clients where the conversation went towards boundaries and setting up boundaries with people that usually you don't have to or you're not used to, like friends or family who usually support you and usually are there with you to face life. But when it comes to health, and sometimes when it comes to mental health, there is a line being crossed and you are not feeling supported like you want to, and it can be really discouraging and disheartening. So boundaries, my friends, we all need them for a lot of different reasons in a lot of different areas in our life. But in this one, your overall health and your mental health deserve to be protected. They deserve to have some space so that you can process through what your journey with nutrition, what your journey with your health, what your journey with your mental health related to these things, what that looks like and how you can grow from it. And so boundaries with your friends and family, sometimes it's just freaking necessary. Right. Boundaries and communication, right? I'm not saying you need to like toss out all your friends or find a new group no, I, by any means. I'm saying. By any means. <laughs> toss your friends. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Get rid of them. No, no. Just even if you have, you know, friends or family who just, you know, it might just take some some clear communication about what what would help you at that time. Like, what could that look like? And hopefully, you know, those people are really responsive to that. And they might even be like, hey, thank you. Like, thank you for letting me know how I can support you. That's a good friend. You should keep them. Yep, for sure. I once heard a quote and I can't pull it up really quickly because I can't find it, but I am a big Brene Brown fan. Uh, shout out to all Brene Brown fans out there listening to this podcast. <laughs> but there was a quote that she she was quoting somebody. It was on her podcast. I don't remember who it was, but she said, boundaries are the distance in which I can love you and love myself simultaneously. And I love that because you loving yourself means you taking care of yourself. You loving other people is you being able to provide that love and support. And sometimes that line can be different with different people. And so, you know, whatever that means with that person, it is necessary so that you love yourself too. Love Brene Brown. Deep stuff. So good. Okay, so we went through our top, not really top, these are just six of the very common barriers to healthy eating that we see come up um, just in our time being being dietitians. So we hope that this helped a little bit. Maybe you resonated with one of these or, or more than one. But I think what it comes down to is having awareness of what what barriers are coming up for you. Because if we don't understand what's going on, then it's really hard to kind of work around it and create a plan. So being aware of the barriers and what's coming up for you is a really powerful first step. So we hope that this helps a little bit. If you have any thoughts or opinions on this episode or anything you feel like we really missed, uh, we would love to hear from you. 
You can find us on the gram, as the kids say, the Instagram, at New Thriving. We are also on Facebook. We're on Pinterest. You can leave a review or a comment for this podcast. We'd love to hear from you and get your thoughts on this episode. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 